Well, welcome to the J.D. Power Travel Podcast. This is the June edition. Uh, as always, uh, the Travel Podcast is composed of the folks who run the travel studies at J.D. Power. That includes Andrea Stokes, who is the practice lead for hospitality. Hello, Andrea. Hello. And Jenny Corwin, who is our director of Cons- customer insights. Hello, Jenny. Hello. Well, I thought we'd start off with a, a topic that uh, certainly seems to be getting a lot of headlines across all of our industries that being the um, hospitality, uh, rental car, airport, and airlines, which is the shortage of employees and the impact on satisfaction. So, um, Andrea, what, uh, what is the effect of uh, the shortage, if there is such a shortage, of employees uh, on the hospitality industry? Yes, well, we, we touched on this, I think, when we spoke back in May. Um, there, there's definitely a big disconnect, right, between uh, the increasing demand and hospitality and even other parts of the travel industry trying to keep up with um, hiring and hiring not only hiring people back that might have been let go uh, several months ago or at the start of the pandemic, but, you know, hiring new employees uh, to come into the travel industry and the hospitality industry. So, there have been, um, you know, some stories that hotels have had to take rooms offline because they they do not have enough housekeeping staff to keep up with all of the rooms, all of the available rooms. Um, you know, and that of course reduces the the supply that's out there for um, this rapidly increasing demand that we're seeing. So uh, it's a you know story in hospitality, but I know airlines and other parts of the industry are being affected by by this labor shortage. Yeah, and, and for my side of the business, uh, you know the big story is American Airlines not being able to put as many planes in the air as they'd like to simply because they have a labor shortage as well. Um, mostly it's really the technical issue as far as I can read it is the ground staff that has to meet FAA safety requirements. And then there's also a bottleneck for retraining airplane pilots who they furloughed, oh, anywhere from 6 to 18 months ago. Uh, so they can't just hop back in an aircraft. They kind of need to, you know, get acclimated to all the safety procedures again, although they probably, it's probably like falling, probably like riding a bike. You don't really fall off the bike uh, once you learn how to ride it, but hey, <laughs> You know, it's, uh, you've got to be a little bit on the safe side. So that is the biggest problem uh, at the moment uh, in the airline industry is American Airlines. And they did trim back about 1% of their, uh, so far, 1% uh, of their whole traffic, all their traffic volume ac- across their system, just to make sure that they have enough crews to meet demand. And Jenny, are you seeing anything on your side of the business? I mean, I, I, we haven't been able to see it in the data yet because what what we're seeing is companies making um, safe decisions, right? So, you know, brands that are not opening, you know, cutting corners with cleaning. Instead, they're choosing, um, you know, not to sell those rooms or not uh, trying to – obviously, with, with canceled flights, we're not getting satisfaction around that. Of course, you're unhappy, but we, we're only measuring satisfaction when you actually have a flight. Um so right now, right, we're seeing most industries making pretty safe decisions. I think um, we'll, we'll see what happens as this continues. And depending on how long it continues, I think then we would definitely see larger impacts on satisfaction. Yeah. And, 
on the airport side of things, obviously, it is also affecting the number of outlets that are open. Uh, so people's pass- passenger priorities shifted. You know, we, as we've mentioned on this podcast before, you know, we track an awful lot of um, airport customers uh, using our passenger view product, uh, which is a very short cell phone surveys that are taken on airport. And their priorities have shifted from getting coffee to getting a meal now. And that's a very big difference in the number of personnel that the airport uh, and the providers have to have on hand. Uh, staffing a coffee shop is, you know, a handful of people at any one particular shift, and a restaurant is more than a handful of people. So, anyway, so we're going to revisit, um, you know, what what the effect of all this demand, increased demand or, or surprise demand has had on the industries at the, as we close out this podcast. But our next topic I thought was very interesting. Um, and uh, Andrea, you had mentioned to us that uh, Marriott is not requiring some employees or any employees to be uh, vaccinated anymore. So what, what is the story there? Yes, uh, that um, is recent news. Um, Marriott actually was one of the first companies to uh, come out and uh, allow their employees uh, time off to get the vaccine. Um, and so that that's great, but they they are not, you know, necessarily requiring employees, uh, hotel employees to be vaccinated uh, to do to do their jobs. I know there have been several stories about this question uh, across other companies and do companies have a right to ask employees or require employees um, to, you know, to get the vaccine. Um, I, I think I think the consensus is that companies do um, or can require this, but Marriott is is not going to require it. Uh, also, um, you know, recently HNLA did revise its mask guidance for hotel employees, and and as you know, more and more uh, Americans get vaccinated, uh, HNLA came out and and said that. Um, it's, you know, it's not necessarily a requirement that vaccinated employees have to wear masks. So they're kind of following what the CDC has said uh, on that issue. Yeah, and some of the service uh, places I've gone to here in Connecticut uh, are still requiring their employees to wear masks, but dropping the requirement for customers to wear masks. So, which I think is kind of an interesting kind of twist or at least a, a halfway point. Uh, I was asking some folks today in the store that I was in, when, are the, when is the corporation going to let you get rid of the masks? And they said, not soon enough. So anyway, um, one of the topics that uh, Jenny had uh, brought up uh, earlier this week was um, some of the charges that certain airlines uh, are invoking for their passengers uh, to cover the costs of what the, what they call the cost of COVID. So, Jenny, what's what's the story there? Sure. Yeah, we saw an article uh, earlier this week that uh, Frontier Airlines is going to start adding a COVID nineteen surcharge to their tickets. So, um, it's a COVID recovery fee, and it's it's supposed to offset the costs of you know implementing all of the COVID nineteen measurements, such as the increased sanitation and cleaning on the aircraft and at ticket counters, all of those things. So. 
Uh, it's interesting because we haven't seen anybody doing this specifically yet. And the airline industry has a lot of transparency around their ticket fees, right? So it's going to immediately become visible uh, to those passengers that they're paying this fee. Now, it looks like it's actually going to be just a percentage of a, a carrier interface charge, which is something that already existed, right? And they're just kind of taking um, a percentage of it. But um, I, I think it's interesting. I don't know that we'll, it's, it's odd that they did this now and not um, last year when they had to start implementing these procedures. And I think that's, that's probably why it's a little bit newsworthy because it seems a little late to the game. Although I know that a lot of a lot of travel industry brands are, are working to really make up those additional costs and the lack of travelers over the last year. So I, I don't think it's going to be completely unique, but it is something that stood out this week specifically. Yeah, and what we've seen in the airline industry um, during this pandemic recovery is, as you recall, uh, airlines have waived all fees, all change fees uh, for all ticket types uh, simply to get trying to convince people to actually book a trip and increase their cash flow. And as we've come through this recovery, some airlines are letting those uh, fees creep back in, especially around what they call basic economy uh, seats. And uh, in our in all of our J.D. Power data, every single airline study that we've done since ooh, the inception of it, it's the value of the ticket and the cost and fees incurred while flying or while changing your itinerary have the greatest effect on satisfaction. So it's a, it's a question of, you know, we need revenue if we're an airline that's struggling. You know, that's understandable. We need ca- they need cash flow. But this will come at, at, at a cost of satisfaction. So, thanks, Jenny. Um, we thought we'd end up here with just basically the, um, the general topic of where are we now in recovery? And um, so, Andrea, where, where are we now in the hospitality industry? What, what, what is the macro view of what's happening uh, during this uh, uh, recovery period? Well, occupancy uh, is, is slowly creeping up. Um, I think it kind of, for a time in the month of May, leveled out a little bit in, in, into June. But um, as the summer kind of goes on here, um, I do expect we'll get uh, a couple of extra points increase in hotel occupancy, which again, that's going along with the demand, uh, the increasing demand. So it's it's good news, you know, for the industry. I, again, I think some some hotels and, you know, some properties in urban locations or downtown locations properties near convention centers, uh, they are much slower to recover. So that is continuing. And that is, you know, strictly due to still uh, the lack of uh, meetings and events and business travel in general, transient business travel. So as we said, you know, leisure demand is driving everything right now. Um, You know, we'll, we'll see how business travel uh, does in the fall, which is uh, traditionally uh, a mu- you know much bigger, a much bigger season for business travel and even meeting meetings and events as well. Uh, you know, fingers crossed that we'll see uh, we'll start seeing that business travel come back in the fall. I know, you know, a lot of companies um, may still not even be bringing back employees to the office yet at this time. 
Um, some companies are, you know, maybe perhaps we're going to do this, you know, in June or July, but they're now putting this off for another few months. So, yeah, and uh, you know. Just, oh, just to follow mm-hmm. on the, uh, on those business thing, we, that was one of the topics, uh, special topics we've done in, in our passenger review product across a bunch of airports across the United States, asking people what the outlook for business travel was for them. And the major finding that we found this past week is that it's not the policies anymore that are preventing people from traveling. 90, 85, 95% of business travelers are saying their current policy is go ahead and travel. Um, but it's, the, it's really that they don't have a reason to travel, that other people uh, haven't opened their offices. And if your, office, if your customer's office isn't open, there's no reason to go see them. You know, as one airline put it to me, well, you can fly out here if you would like, but you'll be sitting in your hotel room using Zoom because we're not, we're not opening our office yet. So that's what we found in ours. And, and Jenny, do you have any uh, insights on this? We'll give you the last word. Uh, on business travel specifically, I don't, I don't have anything, but it looks like leisure travel is looking up. Just on, or on pre-pandemic uh, recovery. Let's, sure, uh, yeah. So we've got the, the, the AAA forecast that came out for uh, 4th of July holiday travel, and it looks very promising. Uh, it's, it's really close to 2019 actual numbers, right? We're about uh, 1.1 million travelers shy, but when you're talking about 48, 47 million people... It's getting better, right? So they are expecting a lot of travel, um, you know, to kind of loop back around to where we were previously when we started this podcast. A lot of that travel is going to be by car, right? So, um, and we expect a, a, a significant proportion of that to hopefully be by rental car too. So, um, you know, this is where that we're, we're starting to see that increased demand, which is really great, super positive. Um but we're just hoping the industry can keep up now that the travelers are coming back. Yeah, and although it might be stressful, I think this is a problem you want to have at this point, which is, you know, surprising demand. So, Absolutely. Well, sorry, what was that, Jen? Absolutely. We're getting into that revenge travel we were talking that's about. Right. That's right. Ta- that's a great term I learned from you, revenge travel. <laughs> I use that quite a bit. So I've stolen that from you. So. Okay. Well, thanks, uh, everyone, for attending our uh, latest podcast. I'm Michael Taylor. I'm the uh, practice lead for travel at J.D. Power. I've been joined, as always, by Andrea Stokes, practice lead for hospitality, and Jenny Corwin, who is our director of our consumer insights. So if you'd like to learn more about what we do here at J.D. Power, you can go to jdpower.com, click on business, and that'll take you into the wonderful website uh, that we have created, and Kelly Shea, who's one of our producers, uh, has a big hand in creating uh, our content on the web. And you can see all the different kinds of uh, studies and conclusions and white papers that we have on travel. So once again, thank you very much, and we'll see you next month. Mm-hmm.